It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Could you be mine? Would you be mine? It's a neighborly day in this beauty wood, a neighborly day for a beauty. Could you be mine? Would you be I have always wanted a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you. So let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, we might as well say, won't you be, could you be, would you be my neighbor? <laughs> Good morning, friends. Man. Growing up, I often visited Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. I took the, the trolley to the magical land of make-believe a few times. You too? Oh, yeah. If you haven't, I'd encourage you to make good use of the rest of your Christmas break and go visit the magical land of make-believe. It is a wonderful, wonderful place. I want to invite you to grab your Bibles. Uh, Turn to 1 Peter 4, 7 through 11. I think there's immense power in finding the written word, uh, figuring out where it is, taking a minute. You know, it'll be up on the screen, but I encourage you, jot a few notes right in the margins, mark it up. So when you revisit it, you know. If you don't know where 1 Peter is, it's exactly this far in. You'll figure it out. So my name is Pat. Uh, I am absolutely delighted to be worshiping with you this morning. Uh, recently at Community, we have been diving in to what it means to be a neighbor and how our actions, large and small, can make a profound difference in another's life. We've been challenged to intentionally seek out ways to be a neighbor and have even been recording them so that others can see how the Lord is moving in our midst. I pray that over this Advent season that you have been able to be a neighbor and that others have done the same for you. One small housekeeping note before we read the scriptures is that uh, my hands do always shake, so don't let it be a distraction to you and know that no, you are not that scary. <clears throat> You're just a little scary. So, 1 Peter 4, 7 through 11 says this. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. Has God given you the, or God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself was speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, I just pray for this morning. I thank you for these individuals, these families, this community. 
I thank you for what they've been in my life, and I pray that they can continue to learn what it means to be a neighbor. I pray that through this message, it's not my message, but it's your message, your words for all of us. And I pray that we can leave this place at the end of a year. We can leave this place knowing a little bit more about who we are because of who you are. Father, we love you. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. So this morning, I want to I wanna tell, I want to share a little bit about my neighbors. Would that be okay? I did student ministries for a while. So I like the, I like the if you couldn't tell, I like the call and response. Uh, for the past five plus years, you have been my neighbors. Whether it was the cul-de-sac on West 19th Street in Holland, Michigan by Evergreen Commons, or it was in this building, maybe the student ministry's office right up the hall. Whether it was uh, in the aisles of Aldi, 24th Street, obviously, or the booths of Crazy Horse, whether it was the classroom at Western Seminary or the beaches at Lake Michigan, you have been my neighbors. Well, whether you know it or not, my physical neighborhood is drastically about to change. In exactly one week from right now, my family will be sitting in the Baltimore airport en route to Jamaica. Over the past year and a half, we have been in preparation as we have been called to be missionaries with the Caribbean Christian Center for the Deaf. The transition from youth pastor to missionary has come with many twists and turns. Most notably, though, I will say, is Kara and I finding out that we were going to have a son, Silas, who's now four months old. Can't believe it. Time absolutely flies. This transition has, has been one that I am finding more and more about that the importance of neighbors. Our neighborhood is going from downtown Holland to the mountains of Jamaica, where we will call the Jamaican Deaf Village home. Our neighbors shift to a neighborhood where the heart language is Jamaican Sign Language, and the neighbors identify as a linguistic minority. Over this transition, one of the most common questions that Kara and I receive is, why deaf ministry? You could go anywhere, you could do anything. Why, why deaf ministry? Well, let me just fill you in a little bit so you know what we're stepping into and why we're so passionate about these neighbors. One to 3% of the world's population is either deaf or profoundly hard of hearing. That's somewhere in the ballpark of 70 to 210 million people in the world. The reality is, is that even though the deaf are a linguistic minority, they are in each and every community of the world. What's more is that this population is growing all the time. Most notably, it grows because it's an open population, which means that at any moment, you or I could join due to sudden and profound hearing loss. We'll predominantly be working with those who have been born deaf. And speaking of those who have been born deaf, 90% are born to hearing families. They live in hearing communities. They're surrounded by hearing culture. 85% of those families, I know this is a lot of stats, stick with me. 85% of these families will learn never to learn sign language or to sign with their child. This community that we are stepping into knows this reality. And they know 
that they have experienced and the deaf before them have experienced centuries of cultural and physical oppression. In Jamaica, it's shown true in many ways, but a really easy example of this is the fact that as a student, as a child, you are not legally obligated to be in a school that fits your learning style. So for the deaf, they are all too often put in hearing schools, forced to struggle to learn in a hearing culture with written form. You see, sign language is a manual language. It uses your hands, but it also uses your facial expressions and your body posture, your body language. And, and while, while the CCCD, the Caribbean Christian Center for the Deaf, knows that they can make a difference. And so the CCCD operates three schools, three schools where the deaf children can come. They can learn sign language. They can get an actual high school diploma they can learn life skills along the way, and they most importantly are presented with a Christian education and the presentation of the gospel and the love of Jesus Christ. You see why somewhere in the ballpark of 2% of the world is deaf, 98% have never heard the gospel. This shows true through scripture translation. Oh, there's about 130 unique sign languages around the world. There is not one sign language that has a complete scripture translation for the deaf. And only one American sign language has the complete New Testament. You see, it uses video because not written word. So it takes a while. But this stands in huge contrast to the over 450 approved English translations that you and I have access to. Many of them right from our phones. You see, I share this because God has placed the deaf population, this new neighborhood on our hearts. And he has given us this newfound excitement and this eagerness to share and to raise awareness, to engage with this population in a very new way. But what is more and what I'm learning is that our neighbors are not always who we think they are. And I hope this morning challenges our idea of neighbors as we really consider who God is calling us to be neighbors with. The Bible is clear that as Christians, we are called to share, to reach everyone, and there is no ability or inability that can separate one from the love of Jesus. Scriptures tell us time and time again, it's echoed in 1 Peter 4. As I was praying about the scripture this morning, I thought that this was a perfect fit. This passage seemed so fitting for not only the end of our 500 Neighbors series, the end of a year, but the beginning of a new year, the beginning of a new decade. And as, as, as Trent pointed out, because he's a nerd, it's the end of a score, which is apparently 20 years and the beginning of a new score. So we're at a, we're, we're at a good point and we can make some real change as we look forward. Let's revisit. First Peter 4, 7 through 9 says this, the end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. So Peter, disciple of Jesus Christ, the one who Jesus declared he would build his church upon, the best nickname in the entire Bible, the rock. He's writing at a time of great unrest in Israel's history. 
And Peter wasn't just simply mistaken when he says the end of the world is coming soon. He didn't know, and we didn't, we don't, just as we don't know right now. But what he does do is vital. He connects it to the need for prayer. All around us, there's sin and there's darkness. For Peter, he was in a time where there was rumors of war. Jesus had even foreshadowed the destruction of the holy city of Jerusalem and the temple. I imagine it was particularly difficult to be a neighbor at this time. I think in many ways, we live in similar circumstances. You see, we live in a world in which darkness is thriving. There's so much unrest and who knows what we are going to see the next time we turn on the news. You know this feeling of uneasiness. I know this feeling of unrest. But the scriptures have so much to speak into this for us. Peter's telling us that when times are tough or stressful, we are especially still called to live together in such a way that our love enables fellowship in spite of our own sins and our own shortcomings. What is more that we should be hospitable. We, don't, we shouldn't be grumbling about one another. Love says that I'm going to choose to see what is good about you where in other circumstances, I unfortunately may have chosen differently. God's message for us at the end of this decade and the beginning of a new one is not that love enables sin, but that love covers sin so that real hospitality and real fellowship can truly take place. Love says that I'm not going to label you by your sin, but I'm going to label you by the fact that you are a child of God. And you are one who I am called to be a neighbor to. You know, Jesus modeled this so well, time and time again. When you read the scriptures, it shows up. Whether it was from the calling of the teenage fishermen disciples, or to eating a meal with Zacchaeus, or to engaging in conversation and blessing the Samaritan woman at the well, just to name a few. Jesus didn't come into this world to do what was easy. He didn't come to serve those who were similar to him or just conveniently next door. He walked far and wide, and when he didn't travel, he sought out the one who did not have a neighbor. That's what we're called to be as Christians. So, what does that mean for you? You know, it might involve you trying something new, going out on a limb, getting involved in a new space, something that you've never done before. Lucky for you, this church has lots of opportunities for you to get involved in something new. Who or what is God putting in your path? You know, this series has given us some incredible tools about what does it mean to be a neighbor. And I want to draw our attention one more time to verse 10 and 11, because I think it echoes this so nicely. It says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do, will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen.
You know, I think we could talk about these two verses for a really, really long time. I think you could have entire sermon series just on spiritual gifts. But what I do want to focus on as we end this year is when we serve God, we are called to serve and to love in such a way that God gets the glory. You know, you are all so gifted and so talented in so many unique ways. And that's why you have been such amazing neighbors. I think it shows true of why this community right here is growing and thriving in the way that it has over the past decade. You know, together we've been able to come and we've been able to do a ton of new things, whether it was planting a church or starting a new service or growing up ministries or supporting and sending new missionaries or old missionaries, whether it was uh, dreaming about what God has done in the past or focusing on what God is continuing to do in the future. That's why you all have been amazing in supporting and partnering with and sending my family. God is praised when we use our gifts and our talents well. He gives them to us and he tells us that we are to clearly use them to accomplish amazing things. And when we use our blessings to be a neighbor and to bless others, our light, which comes from Jesus Christ, truly shines bright. Matthew 5 and the Sermon on the Mount tells us that our lives shine with Christ and bring him glory on earth. For me and going to the magical land of make-believe in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, I was constantly reminded that we are to love and not to hate our neighbors, to show great hospitality and fellowship in all that we do, to bring God into every situation and every conversation. As you enter this next decade, I want to challenge you. Who do you need to be a neighbor to? Being a neighbor is not just about interacting with those who are like you. It's not about just being with those who are conveniently next door. It's about seeking those who are different than you, who might believe something different than you, who might have different pasts than you. It might be about engaging with someone who you have nothing in common with. Maybe you believe you have nothing in common with. For Karen and I, our neighbors are going to be the deaf in Jamaica. You know, God has called us there for a specific reason. I'll be doing pastoral ministry. Carol will be doing counseling ministry. And I pray that in this situation and in this home that we can be good neighbors. I want to ask for your prayers and continued support as we go far away from here, just as we are committed uh, to praying for you as you are called right here in West Michigan. But who has God called you to? You know how to be a neighbor. Now, who is God putting in your path and calling you to bless this next year and this next decade? You don't need to go on a mission trip and you don't need to go far away from this community to be a neighbor. There are so many people right here in this community. You might engage with them as you walk out these doors that you can bless and make a profound difference in their lives with your gifts and your talents. And so I want to challenge you every day as you wake up, pray that God puts someone in your path that you can bless. Pray that God 
I want to share my love, my love for you with those who I come in contact with. Remember that it might not be who you think it is. I know for Kara and I, we did not think it was going to be Jamaica or the deaf, but it is, and God knows what he is doing. So I pray that you can be open to the path that God puts you on and the people that he puts in your wake. Just as Mr. Rogers ended each of his programs, we're going to end this morning together. Mr. Rogers, and I believe Jesus tells us this too, Mr. Rogers would tell us this every time he was signing off. You've made this day special just by being you. There is no person in the whole world like you, and I like you just the way you are. Go and be a neighbor. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for this community. I pray that when we go from this place and when we end this year, that we can end it well. I pray that we can be a neighbor. And I pray that you get the glory. That we don't do it for our own satisfaction or our own recognition, but only for you. So that your light may shine bright. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all of your hearts, with all of your souls, and with all of your strengths. Go from this place and be a neighbor in Jesus' name. Amen.